welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome. You are now tuned in to Al Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, yoga, not to go faster. Talking. Now we talking facts, where the mountain off the back, you in trouble, came to burst your bubble, I don't shelter punches, they find home on your mind about a double, it's the weekly scraps, you don't need a map, GPS, I'm right here to lead a dash, the world doesn't know it needs, but I wrote this, he's planning for a name and the fame, only legacy remains, remember the name, Al Jermaine Sterling, it ain't Guys, welcome back to the weekly scraps episode 135, uh, UFC Vegas uh, 31. I got the number right. Thanks, Great fights. Uh, I didn't get to watch everything, so I'm actually trying to rewatch some of it now. You might see it on the reflection of my uh, what do you call these things? These, these posters, yeah. So a lot of great fights. Obviously, we had some guys that were fighting down in AC. I fought down in AC. Uh, I wow, I am shot. I just, yo, I am shot, shot, dude. Let me let me just explain this. From Vegas, red eye flight. We get up um, Thursday night, so we get in Friday morning. I tried to get a workout in, didn't work out. I had to get a COVID test, PCR test for Georgia. Get the PCR test. Flying out tonight. Uh, Saturday morning, I had to pack, whatever, Saturday morning, drive down early down to Atlantic City, New Jersey, and we had a couple guys fight, so that happens, and we come back at, what, what time did we leave, like 1 o'clock in the morning, I didn't get home till about 4 a.m., they dropped the, dropped us off out, um, Marab actually drove, very interesting driver, um, you know, Maybe not, like he says, maybe not the best, but, uh, you know, he gets us there. He gets it done. So <laughs> I guess that's, that's, that works. That was the drive. Um, like I said, 4 a.m. we got back and it was just crazy. So we're finally home. I had to sleep in as best as I can, even though I have so much trouble sleeping at night. Um, I got to get a couple hours in and woke up around like nine, not like 10. That's when I got my day going. And here I am. So, yes, I am exhausted, got everything taken care of, and then we are flying out tonight to the Republic of Georgia, um, 11.30, 11.40, something like that. So, I'm going to bang out this podcast. It won't be too, too long, but I just want to make sure I touch base with some of the fights and, of course, give our guys some love. Man, Ring of Combat, we had some some great performances and we had some performances that were okay, not what we expected for some of our guys, but they got the job done. And we had one upset that was a split decision loss. Um, I don't want to call it upset because it's not an upset in terms of the betting odds. Upset in terms of like one of the guys on the team lost, you know. So one of our guys, the first fight tonight, Christian Akala, made his debut. Split decision loss and once lost to a guy from Long Island MMA. One of the things about that, I, I don't necessarily like when our guys fight other people from Long Island. It's just such a small place. It's almost as if like we're we're um, biting off our own heads, you know, so to speak, where we can kind of work with each other and everyone could grow and get better and push each other to become the next big thing coming out of this small island, which is also a pretty big island, if, if I'm being honest here. Um, so that, that's my take on that. But Fought a tough kid. Kid was actually from Roosevelt, which I had no idea. I grew up in Roosevelt until my seventh grade year. So I finished all the way through sixth grade, graduated elementary school. My seventh grade year, 
we went to Uniondale Middle School, Turtle Hook Middle School, and then I graduated from Uniondale High School, blah, blah, blah. So it was cool seeing a kid like that win. Obviously, one of our teammates, he lost. Um, that sucked. But again, I don't think these guys should be fighting each other. And then the kid told me that they fought each other as an amateur, and I guess our guy called them out. And I was like, ah, there's nothing you could do at that point. The guy called you out, he called you out. You know, you can't really back down. Otherwise, it makes you look away. It's a tough loss. Um, I felt like he could have done a couple things better, but he did some good stuff in there, and that's the most important thing, uh, in my opinion. So there's room for growth and there's room for improvement always. And based on that performance, I think there's a lot of room for him to grow and improve in a lot of different areas. Um, the next one we had Dennis Nelson. Wow, I am. Wow, I need sleep. <laughs> the next one, uh, Damian Nelson, J Jamaican Dynamite. Uh, got a win, split decision for the guy that actually met out in Albuquerque when Marab fought um Casey Kinney, and somehow, some way, they came all the way out here from New Mexico to get a fight. Good opportunity, um, close fight, man. I didn't know who was gonna get that nod. It was so close. I'm just glad we got one of the split decisions that we had on the night. So Damien starts off his pro career. So Christian Akala made his debut, pro debut, and Damien Nelson made his pro debut. We went one and one with the debuts. One guy got a split decision loss. One guy got a split decision win. And again, a couple of things um, Damien could have did better as well. And I think when he gets to go back and watch the tape, he's going to see and be like, oh man, this is some of the stuff we've been working on. And like I said, there's always room for improvement. And that's what the sport's all about. Keep continuing to grow. And I think that's when you will see Leaps and bounds of improvements in your overall skill set. The next one, we had Dylan Montello. Oh, man, the quiet man. And puts the guy to sleep in like two minutes, two and a half minutes maybe in the first round. Lines up a nice one-two. The guy comes out a little wide, and Dylan just sits down that laser right hand right down the middle, starches him, puts him out. Um, doesn't walk off KO, celebrates a little bit, puts the hands up, walks off. The ref is looking. I don't know what he's looking for. This guy does not know where he is. Then Dylan turns back. He sees the ref didn't stop the fight. So he runs over, about to clean his clock again. And then ref goes, okay, okay. <laughs> I think that was enough. So he didn't get to he didn't take any more extra damage that he did not need to take, especially this early on in his career, you know. So uh longevity is the most important thing, and obviously health. Um it's not one of those where it was like the guy was trying to fight back. Like I said, he was down and it was like, damn, this kid's hurt pretty bad. Um, the next one, the main event, uh, Jiu-Jitsu James, big win for him over uh, UFC veteran Bellator vet uh, Jeff Lance. I think he was a Bellator vet, but I'm pretty sure he was a UFC. I don't know. If, actually, I don't even know if he actually fought in the UFC, but I know he fought on the ultimate fighter. And for him to get a win over a guy like that, coming back up to 145, for the Ring of Combat title, very dominant. The refs had it, the judges had it 30-27 uh, from what James told me. But I was so confused because I'm like, dude, you were on top with control time for at least three and a half minutes. And you did all the damage on top. And you almost finished him in the first round with a rear naked choke saved by the bell. How is that not a 10-8 round? That makes no sense. Let alone the second round pretty much picked up right where he left off. So... The fact that that was a 30-27 says something about New Jersey needs to get their um, judging criteria a little bit straighter. Uh, but whatever. You know, he got the win. Very dominant. As dominant as you could possibly be. Gets back in the win column. And I think it's just good for the overall morale of the team. The overall morale for James. Just kind of get that monkey off his back. You know, the last one he took 
against an opponent who missed weight by like five pounds. And um, we had a little discrepancy with this because I, I told James, like, it's okay sometimes to say no. And I think he just didn't have the people in his ear to kind of tell him that. And he took the fight. Ultimately, he lost. A little setback. After beating a guy like Pat Sabatini who got to the UFC after one more win, and James could have been that guy, you know? So it's just it's just one of those things, man. You just never know how close you are, and then sometimes one little setback. That's, that's all it is. Setback, James is back in the win column, and that's all that matters. Win column in a very big way. So I'm happy for him. The whole team was happy for him, and it was just a good thing. He fought so smart. He didn't pull guard. He didn't jump for any type of attacks that he didn't need to attack. Uh, I was trying to coach him into the position of posturing up and landing some big damage to hopefully Lentz would give his back and he could finish up with that submission and put him out. But Lentz waited for it. He postured up and then he did a good job keeping his arm on James and then rolled him through and hit like a up and over and uh, not an up and over, like a oompa is what Matt would call it, Matt Sever. And it ends up on top and uh, James gets up and then there's like 30 seconds left and James goes for a takedown. The kid grabs a cage and he's like, dude, he's talking to us in the back room. He's like, bro, I was losing the fight anyway. I was being dominated. It's like 30 seconds left. All I know is I can't get taken down again. It's like, I'm not going to let go of this cage until both of my feet hit the ground, which was the, which was hilarious truth that he said. And he was, I, you know, they say, if you're not cheating, you ain't trying. So I, I get it. I 100% get it. And um, he did what he had to do. James still got the weird excuse me, man. So, like I said, I'm so freaking tired, but it is what it is. Um, other than that, we got to catch some of the fights. Like I said, I was watching all my phones in the back room and after the first, after the fights and in the lobby. Islam Makachev, Tiago Moises. Tiago did everything that he could do. And honestly, it's just one of those situations where the other guy is just, just the better fighter. Tiago got him down, I think, once or twice. And then he jumped his back to try to throw the hooks in. And I think that was his one opportunity to see if he can get anything off on a guy as good as a grappler as a guy like Makachev, who's offensively strong, and now we see that he's also defensively strong. You know, he was in a tough position, which should be a tough position, but for him, it's just like, eh, I've been here before. Shakes him off the top, dumps him. Now he's back on top, right where he picked up, right picked up right where he left off, where he got taken down and took him back down. He looked great in a clinch. When um, Moises engaged in the clinch, Makachev did a good job of landing some short knees and Tiago had to put both his hands down to respect it because he had such a height differential. He could have come over the top. He did a good job with the tie clinch, with the plum tie, and not given any space for Moises to do uh, the things that he wanted to do. And it was just one of those things, man. So, unfortunately, um, for, for Moises, you know, he this is not a really a setback, but he knows he's got some work to do. You know, if he wants to beat those guys at the upper echelon of the division, he got a taste of that. And fortunately for Makachev, gets another finish. He's 2-0. I think he just, I think that was his second finish in a row. I think he finished Drew Dober, and then he gets a finish like that over a guy like Tiago Moises, who was ranked 14th. And now he needs a top opponent. He they got to give him a top opponent. Stop making these guys say no. Ultimatum, I, I don't even know. Pay these guys extra. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Very dominant guy, but I want to see how good he really is. And I know he's good. Um, I think Khabib might be pushing the narrative a little too much, saying that he can maul Charles and, and Dustin right now. Uh, based on that performance, I'm going to say not so much. Maybe a little later, but I think he needs to get a little bit more, I don't want to say comfortable, 
but a little bit more cage time by fighting some more guys. I think his inactivity is the only thing that plagues him. Kind of the same thing that happened with Khabib, but Khabib was dominant against pretty much everyone he fought. The only guy I think he didn't finish was um, Barbosa, who took, but he took a 15 minute brutalizing beating. So, what are we talking about? You know, so Tiago did some good stuff, like I said. So it wasn't as one sided as people made it out to like it was going to be kind of thing. But it is what it is. It's a fight game. And um, like I said, Tiago's got some work to do. Uh, Makachev. I don't know who I'd like to see him fight. I mean, he called out Tony Ferguson. I don't think that fight makes any sense. Tony Ferguson is in a position where he needs to like try to get his groove back. And get a right, a right proper opponent so we can see if he's done or if it was just a couple of those opponents were just really tough or whatever the case may be. Sometimes those situations happen. Um, who else is out there? I mean, Benil Dariush would be a fun one. That would be a tough fight for Benil. But it would be a fun one. I think Benil's a gamer and scrapper. Uh, good jiu-jitsu. Good control when he needs good control. And he's willing to put his chin on the line to test your chin. And I think that could be a fun-ass fight. So maybe one of those matchups, something like that. Um, who else would there be? I don't know. I don't know. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, the next one, Misha Tate. She looked great in her return. couple of things she did, though, I think on a technical standpoint, I do believe a, a, a woman like Amanda Nunes with how great she is and how dominant she's been can capitalize on a person like Misha Tate if she leaves those openings for her. Uh, a couple of the times retreating, going backwards, leaving the hands down in a position where it's like Amanda is so good at coming over the top and landing those sledgehammer haymakers and putting people down or putting them out. So I, I think a couple of things she's got to be careful of and clean up. And that's why this is a, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. She's back. She's got a big win over, I think, of someone who's never been finished in Marion uh, Renew. And a uh, good fight. And she got the finish, took her back. And once she took her back, got the hooks in, that that was that was it. Couldn't do anything. Couldn't get out of that position. And it was pretty much all she wrote for her. Um, I don't know who's texting me, but I'm not going to go get it right now. Other than that, I thought Misha looked great. I don't know who's going to be next for her. I don't know what that win does for her in terms of the rankings. Where does that put her? But I think you got to put her in the, in the mix with some of those tough echelon, upper, upper echelon girls. Maybe Ashman Ladd. That could be a fun-ass fight. I think that could be a really, really good fight for her. Um, in terms of seeing where she's at skill-wise and obviously for the for the uh, division and kind of getting her right back in that mix. The next one, um, Gamrot, Jeremy Stevens. Boy, what? how long was this one, man? Oh, my God. A minute and like five seconds. Dude, my man took his arm home, arm collected, and all I see was this shade being thrown by Jacar Close. Savage this, savage this in quotes. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. And then the, the one that hit home the most was when he was like, the last time you won a fight was I had a guy who had his hands behind his back at Wayne's. I was like, oh my God, this guy's this guy's being ruthless right now. But um to each his own man, I, I think it was well deserved for him to to kind of say that because look what happened. The guy Shoved them, had their fight canceled, gave the guy a whiplash from a push, which is insane. But, yo, when you're in that position, you're relaxed, you're chill, you're dehydrated. Yo, that's not a cool thing to do. And um, for the fight to go like that, I, I, I felt for Stevens because I felt like when they were talking at the end of the fight, he kind of felt like, you mother... I can't believe you just 
made the fight go like that instead of like letting me swing these hands kind of thing, you know? So it is what it is, man. Sometimes that's what's going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, um, this is it's the fight game, baby. It's the fight game. Um, I like to see this guy with some tougher competition as well. I think the last guy he beat was from Georgia. Georgia. He's 19-1. Uh, he lost to Garam, the Georgian guy. Split decision. And that was a good fight. But he's 2-0 now. 2-1. Um, he's on two-fight win streak, I should say. Over Scott Holtzman. And now Jeremy Stevens. A long-time UFC vet. Uh, Rodolfo Riviera. He looked good. But you know what, man? It was a little back and forth. But um, this guy... I can't even say his name. Dustin. He he looked good, man. Four hard. Was training at Syndicate MMA. I saw him a couple times at the PI. And he did what he had to do. But the only thing is, once he got down to the ground, that was the one toughest position it was going to be for him. Taking on a guy like Vieta. Um, the one fight he lost, he was gas. So this one, it seemed like he did a much better job reserving his gas tank and surviving. And not, not blowing his load too early, so to speak. And uh, it was eventually able to get that rear naked choke. But this kid right here, Billy Quarantillo, Billy Q, the bandana headband man, gets it done as fast as you can like the gingerbread man. Looked great over a guy that I thought the fight was going to be a little bit more competitive than that. I'm not saying that I thought Benitez was going to win. I just thought it would be a little bit more competitive because Benitez is a tough dude. He's got some nasty highlight reel knockouts and some finishes. So I was just like... Mm, this should be a fun fight. A guy like Billy Q who brings it every single time. You know he's gonna it's gonna be a bar burner of a fight. And that's exactly what it was, except it was very more on the one-sidedness of Billy Q. There were some moments for Benitez where it looked like he was trying to rally back. Billy Q would almost like get hit or hit the ground where he kind of like getting shaken up or reverse or whatever, gets back up, shakes it off, retreats a little bit, and then comes right back forward with that Billy Q pressure and just doesn't stop. The one thing I will say is um just like the Gavin Tucker fight. When he started to lose, not have as much success was when he was going with the looping punches as opposed to him staying straighter with the punches. When he stayed straighter on this one with Benitez, he was touching him up. When he started to go back loopy again, trying to go for the kill, go for the haymaker finish, is when Benitez was able to beat him straight down the middle in that southpaw jab and, and throwing that cross down the middle. But then he made the adjustment again and came back, mixed it up with the takedowns. I got nervous with those front chokes, but he was able to defend every single time. Had a couple of... Uh, Attempts himself for some submissions, but for the most part, it was his striking that was super impressive. Dropped him in, I think, round one, and I was just like, oh my goodness, that has to be a 10-8 round. But um, eventually gets the back control and finishes him in a position I've never seen anybody get finished from back control, just getting smacked with some hammer fists. Yo, never seen that before. First time for everything. Congrats to Tampa, New York, um, Billy Q. He's actually from New York. Uh, Danny Rodriguez looked great. Dominant round one. Destroyed this guy Parsons. Um, and I mean that with all the respect, of course. Uh, Parsons just was... I just think that this was one of those too much, too soon kind of things. And what was this? His UFC debut? Yep. From Combat Night where he was on a four-fight win streak. Um, rear naked choke, guillotine choke, guillotine choke, armbar. And then this one he loses by punches. Uh... Amanda Lemos, 
Fun fight as long as it lasts and starches her. I think this girl is a true contender. She fought our girl Mizuki. Uh, anyway, tough fight for Mizuki, but she stayed in there, battled the whole time after getting cracked with some pretty monster shots from this girl. This lady hits hard. And when she cracks, she commits and she just sits back and she just waits. Um, boha, boha, boom, right down. She hits it with that porta multiple times. And just that one that hits her sends the girl spinning to the canvas. Now she goes to follow up, but then I think she hits her with like one or two hammer fists. The ref jumps in, the girl turns up, and then she's like trying to get back to her stance. And this is why I say you, when you get dropped, you can't just run back up unless you was just like a flash knockout caught you by surprise. But when you get rocked hard and you hit the ground where you're like, yo, I am hurt, and then you try to get up. You're going to always be on skates. You're going to always be a little discombobulated. Your, your, your vision, your peripherals, your equilibrium is going to be completely off. And I never understood why people do that. Stay on the ground. This is why when people were saying it to me, I'm like, dude, you just, you're just an idiot because you do not understand what you're going through. You put yourself more at risk when you try to stand up in terms of the sense of having the fight finished when you try to rush to stand up to your feet. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know why people continue to do it. It's uh, nothing short of baffling, but it is what it is, man. Um, that's what she tried to do. And like I said, you're in a very, very compromised state mentally and physically. You're just not all the way there in the right mindset to be able to defend and get back and get your bearings unless you could grab a hold of the person. So it's like if you're... If you have good enough jujitsu or survival instincts, you can try to move out on the ground while your equilibrium is somewhat steady, steadier than being standing when you're just like this and the person's coming at you and you just don't even know which way their arms are moving and it hits you, boom, and the fight's over. It just never ends well, you know? And then when you stand up, people go, oh, he was rocked. He was rocked. Look at him. Look at him. I'm like, yeah, I was rocked, dummy. I just got hit with a freaking hard shot. Doesn't mean I was out of the fight. I'm just rocked. It's a fight. It's supposed to happen. I get riled up with this because it's just like, yo, what do you think is supposed to happen when you get hit with a punch like that? It's a freaking fist fight. So it is what it is, man. Um, she would have been better served, I think, if she just stayed down. But it is what it is. Some, like I said, some of those things, they happen. And live to fight another day. I don't think she was, I don't think she was getting back into that fight, um, in my opinion. This other kid, Morozov, tough dude. I like him. Very good grappler. Has that kind of that uh, European Russian style grappling in the fight where he can crack. But for the most part, he's looking to get the takedown, stay behind you, control, land big knees, dump you down. If he can get hooks in, control the fight, that's what he's going to do. He doesn't take too many risks, which is smart. Um, I hope it doesn't hurt him in terms of uh, excitement, you know, because he got a decision. I think he could have finished that fight over Taha. Taha's a tough dude. Um, he was starting to pour it on in that third round. And when I say pour it on, it's just I just mean he was just coming forward. He was coming forward, but he wasn't doing too much. That's that's it. So don't take that out of context. He was coming forward, trying to pour it on as best as he can, knowing that he was losing the fight. You got to respect the guy who's going who's going to go for it and try to do his best to win at all costs. And that's all that was. So uh, I like this guy. I definitely got to keep my eye on that guy. He's good. And I can see some good things coming out of this guy in the future. These other two, I didn't really get to watch. I know Malcolm Gordon got his first dub um, straight from Canada. And um, Canada, A. Eh? And this other guy, Badeau, was winning in the first round. Then got upset in the second round from Nascimento uh, with some big bomb shots. And gets 
uh, Nascimento gets the, the job done and gets the dub. Now, we obviously have a big fight car coming up. I wasn't going to really try to do too much of this because I, I got to leave soon. I got to finish packing. Um, but for the most part, the main ones I wanted to talk about was TJ Dillashaw coming back. Obviously taking on the guy I competed against in Corey Shanehagen. And since we fought, he's been on a tear. Been like a demon in the octagon. Finishing guys left and right. And I'm very excited to see what, what this one brings. I'm excited to see what TJ Dillashaw shows up. Because you beat TJ Dillashaw, does that give you a title shot? I don't know. But if TJ beats him, does that give TJ a title shot? It should absolutely give TJ a title shot. Absolutely. Um, but in the sense of the other way that I'm looking at it, I don't know what this win really does for Sanhagen other than getting a marquee, another marquee name added to his resume. Because again, TJ's been suspended, been out of competition for two years. Um, he cheated. He's been cheating for a very long time. Ask his teammates. This is something that has been disclosed to me years ago. And I, of course, you don't want to be the whistleblower and not have any evidence. But the evidence has been his teammates talking about it, his former teammates talking about it. And of course, uh, now being caught, I think it's pretty safe to say where the smoke is fire. And like the, his teammates have been saying, he's and he said at the press conference against Cody Garbrandt, said, Yo, yeah, right. When Garbrandt said, bro, you were the one showing everyone how to do it. And Everyone just brushed it under the rug. I keep, I've been saying this. I sound like a broken record. But whatever. I'm just excited to see this fight. I think it's going to be a good stylistic matchup. A guy who's so much taller, um, rangier, fights with so much calmness, and now fighting with a little bit more stank in terms of brutality, trying to really hurt guys in there. I think this is going to be a very, very fun fight to watch. Uh, if I had to put my money on it, I got to say, St. Hagen gets the job done. These guys used to train together. And I do believe them being trained to them formally trained together gives him some type of confidence. San Diego, some type of confidence that he understands what he's dealing with going in there. And if TJ is truly off the stuff, uh, I like San Higgins' chances even better in this one. So um, should be a good fight, fun fight, and uh, I'm excited for the return of Dillshaw for sure. You know, people always been riding him, and saying everything that he's done. But I guess if you like cheaters, then great. Uh, I guess. Right? No no love for the guys who do it the right way, I guess. Right? Whatever. I'm just breaking balls, but of course I'm being serious. Uh it should be a fun fight. I like I like San Higgins, his use of the jab. TJ uses a lot of switch stances, a lot of the duck in the head. He'll throw the jab or the cross and come down, throw the head kick, or sometimes he'll he'll throw something and feed you a hard body kick and stay nice and tight and then come back. And kind of like that Dutch style kickboxing that Dwayne Ludwig style, the Bang Ludwig style that these guys have been working on, the Dwayne Ludwig system. I forget Bang, Bang Muay Thai, whatever. Um, so I think it's going to be a great opportunity for both these guys to showcase their skills and see who should be the next guy coming up the ladder uh, and and be in the wings of waiting to see what happens with myself and Peter Jan. You know, so great time to be in the bantamweight division. This division is hot. Uh, I'm excited for the future. There's so much opportunity. And I'm not going to get into these other fights, but there are some really good ones on this. Aspen Ladd taking on Macy Chizong. Kyla Phillips taking on Paiva. That should be a good fight. And a big step backwards for Paiva. I'm really confused by that. Um, Macy Barber taking on Miranda Maverick. That's going to be a banger. Uh, Maverick is a beast. And I know Macy Barber is the future, but dude, 
Maverick is pretty freaking good. Uh, Barber's on a two-fight losing skid right now. Roxanne Modafari and Alexa Grasso. Mickey Gall's back taking on Jordan Williams. That should be a fun-ass fight at the middleweight division, unless Jordan Williams is coming down. It says 170, so I think Jordan Williams is coming down. Uh, Pumalele, Soriano, undefeated, taking on Brandon Allen. That's a huge fight. Uh, Shamil Akhtamarajahav taking on Chris Dawkins. I saw him at the UFCPI. He was actually very polite to me, which I was surprised because he's Russian. I thought he would have been one of those guys talking shit. He probably did talk shit. I don't know, but he was nice to me in person. So I guess that's all that matters, right? I guess, I guess. Um, Adrian Yanez taking on Randy Costa. That should be a fun fight. And that's at the Bantamweight division. I was actually going to reach out to Giannis and ask him if he wanted to come out for like a week and get some training out here in Long Island. Um, I think it'd be a good partner for me to see some hand speed, especially when I get to start sparring. Uh, I don't plan on um, starting my sparring sessions until like August when I'm getting back in there with Marab. And if this guy comes out, I think it'd be good. It'd be good training for both of us. And if it's one of those situations where we got to fight later on, I mean, it is what it is. I think for the grand scheme of things and for what I need, and I think for maybe what he needs in terms of the grappling push, I think it'd be a win-win for both of us. You know, for Marab and I to get that striking look, um, especially Marab getting ready to fight a guy like Marlon Marais, get to see that hand speed, um, and a little bit of that power as well because he's got some good pop too. And I think for him, it'd be good to see what high-level grappling is like in terms of the pressure and relentlessness, relentlessness of a guy like Marab. And of course, um, for myself in terms of control because, you know, I'm not going to relentlessly push the grappling, but when I do get you down, I'm going to keep you down. And that's the difference, you know. Uh, my style is a little bit different. So Julio Arce is finally back. Featherweight division taking on... Oh, Arce is coming down to 135. Oh, okay, watch out now. And I did see him in person at one of the fights of Ring of Combat out east. And I did think he looked a little thin. Now I know why... Yes, I do see what you were trying to do. You were trying to size me up. Yes. No, I'm joking. But um, Andre, you all, that should be a fun fight. And I think that's one that Andre, uh, I think that's one that Arce wins. Um, we're going to see how the weight cut affects him getting down for the very first time and competing at this weight class for him. I think he's going to be a little bit bigger. He's probably going to be like, wow, I haven't felt like this in a lot of my competitions in a while. And I think uh, he's going to have a lot of success with his boxing over a guy like Andre Ewell, who pretty much just stays long, where I think Arce could beat him in the grappling, and that could be the great neutralizer for a fight like this. Um, other than that, <clears throat> we're not going to do the rest. These are some good fights. I, I just, like I said, I want to do a short podcast, get something out for you guys. We're heading to Georgia tonight, so we should get there Monday at some point because it's going to be, I think it's like an 11-hour uh, difference, time zone difference. So I think the flight itself is like 12 or 13 hours, I think 12. Um, we're going to stop in Turkey and then stop in Turkey at the airport. And then from there, we're going to head on over to Tbilisi, Georgia. So it should be fun. I'm going to get some training in hopefully. I don't know how much training I'm hoping. I pray that I'm not super jet lag. So I want to take advantage of everything. I want to be able to get on the horses. I want to be able to go to the beach. I want to be able to get my training session in. I want to be able to try out the Georgian, uh, wines and vodkas and all that stuff. And, um, I don't want to get too banged up, you know, cause I still want to get some good work in. I had a couple guys reach out saying that. The Georgian wrestlers are really good, and for a small country, they beat up on Russians a lot. So I believe it. Georgian wrestling is very, very good, and uh, I'm excited just to get some work in and see some new people and experience a different kind of culture. I do think I'm going to struggle with food because I'm very, very picky. Um, if they just have lamb and chicken, I could do that all day long and some fish. I am a happy camper. 
Um, some of the other stuff might be a little tough for me. The stuff with the with the liquid, then you eat the meats, um, for like a little dumpling. That's actually really good. And the cheesy pizza thing that they make, amazing. But you know, I'm not trying to gain weight. I need to lose weight. So it's gonna be a fun time. So I'm super excited about the opportunity. And thankfully, um, Rob is such a great guy. Him and his team, <clears throat> his connections, sorry, are taking care of us. They're gonna be bringing us out there. We're gonna have a camera crew. We're gonna be recording a lot. I'm bringing my GoPro. I got my helmet for my GoPro. Even though I wish my hair was braided for it, um, but I got my helmet for it. Um, so I'm trying to wear that as much as I can. Get some cool ass footage and. Um, just go from there, man. So I'm excited. And thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Stay blessed. And um, stay... I, I, I was trying to think of something to rhyme. I blew it. Um, if you like my shit, subscribe to my shit. Or spin it back, bitch, baby. I'll see you guys later. Peace. Mm.